So I want to continue this morning on that theme, weapons of warfare, and want to continue talking about uh, these weapons that we've got. People have always had to fight for that which is right and that which is good. Uh, that's the way it's always been. That's the way it always will be. Our God is a God of war. The Bible is a book of battles, and the Christian life is a fight of faith. We looked at the Old Testament and some of the great heroes of the Old Testament. We uh, looked at Abraham and Joseph and Joshua and Moses and Gideon and Samson and David, and they had to fight. They had to fight for that which was right and that which was of God. In the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, Peter, in church history, John Wesley, Martin Luther, John Calvin, the Pentecostal movement. It's always been a fight of faith. And our job is to raise hell. Not raise, but raise. That's the strange thing about the English language. It's the same sounding word that means opposites. Crazy, the English language. But we're talking about raising, R-A-Z-E, raising hell. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 8, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What does that mean? Gates have never attacked. Gates are on hinges. Gates are uh, around families, around cities, around nations. And it's our job to push back those gates. God's purpose is not to redeem us. And we hope for a rapture to take us out of this incredible mess. But God has redeemed us and he has cleaned us up to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world with the power of the gospel and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at two weapons and the first one that we looked at was the word. We mustn't fight Satan with our feelings or our thoughts or our ideas or our traditions. We fight the evil one with the Word of God. Always with the Word of God. That needs to be our foundation and that needs to be our guide. When Satan came to tempt Jesus Christ, the Lord responded to those temptations and, say, and said, it is written. Always responding with the Word of God. And it is our responsibility to know and to apply and to be doers of the Word of God. The second weapon we looked at was that of prayer. Satan will always try to distract us from prayer, to neglect it, to shortchange ourselves in our intimacy with the Lord. It is a massive weapon in our arsenal. Andrew Murray said this, by prayer we hold a hand that holds the destiny of the earth. So, I want to continue talking about raising hell this morning. And we need to determine that we're not going to let the devil have our families, our communities, our cities. The world has seen the power of the devil for long enough. And I think it's about time that we need to let the world see the power of the living God in our lives. Paul ended the book of Romans in chapter 16 and verse 20, and he said, And the God of peace 
will soon crush Satan under your feet. I love that ending. Will soon crush Satan under your feet. So we need to stay alert. Paul also said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Put on the full armor of God. Because you're going out into warfare. What do we put the full armor of God on for? So that we can stand in the corner and sing this little light of mine? No. We stand in the corner. We, we don't stand in the corner, but we put on the full armor of God so that we can go out there and wrestle. Not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers in heavenly places. And so my prayer for this church and for every other church is that we become people who are fighters. A church of warriors. And God is calling us. Really, he's calling us to become those kind of people. People who are, are prepared to go out and to war because we've had enough of the evil one binding and blinding and stealing from us. We wrestle against principalities and powers so that we can set families free, set communities free, and set cities free. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take a hold of the eternal life to which you have been called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is saying that we need to fight for that which is right, that which is good. Two Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Once again, God is a God of war. The Bible is a book of battles, and the Christian life is a fight of faith. This is not the time of peace. This is a time for war. And so my challenge to you today is, are you going to sit back and watch? Are you going to spectator? Be a spectator and just watch, or are you going to get up, move forward with your armor and be a fighter and a warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 4. We do not war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So, this morning I want to talk about the devil and his fall from heaven. We see in Ezekiel 28 what happened in the heavenly realm and Satan's fall. Satan, Lucifer, was the most intelligent, most musical, most beautiful of the angels. He was the anointed cherub. And there came a time when he made a choice and he said, I want God's position. And he rose up in pride and he said, I'm going to be like God. And God could not put up with pride and with rebellion in heaven. And he kicked 
Lucifer out. Pride is exaggerating our worth and our power, overrating our superiority. That's the very thing that tripped Adam and Eve up in the Garden of Eden. But God said, you can't do this, and kicked him out of heaven. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was so puffed up in his pride and in his conceit, thinking that he could overthrow God. He was a created being, but he was so puffed up in his pride that God said, "Not enough of this, be gone with you. And he took a third of the angels of heaven with him. Jude, it's only second last book in the Bible, there's only one chapter, and Jude verse 6 says, the angels did not keep their own position, but left their proper dwelling. And they together participated and shared in the sin of Lucifer, and they were swept away as well. They were kept in darkness, and Jude says, they were bound in everlasting chains. So I've got three lessons for us. This is the angel who was anointed to worship. If there's anything that the devil wants us to do is to neglect our aspect of worship, our weapon of worship. But what was it that caused this anointed cherub, this angel, to become the devil? It was this choice of pride. And he will oppose us at every single turn to not get into a place of worship. Listen to this verse. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Looking at some of you, I agree with that. When I look at myself in the mirror, I'm fully agreed with that. You are a peculiar people. But you are these things. Why? So that you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He chose you, he anointed you, he sanctified you, he delivered you, he called you out of darkness into his light that you may praise him, that you may show forth his praises. That's our calling. That's our purpose. We were raised to praise. We were brought from darkness into light. To worship him. And that's our job. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The Bible also said that Jesus, after his resurrection and before his ascension, when the, he was together with the disciples in the upper room, he called them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And so they've got the breath of the Spirit of God upon them. So we who have breath and we who have the Spirit of God inside of us need to praise the Lord. This is a commandment. We are 
justified in Christ to glorify. We are anointed to love and to love God. You shall love the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And so we should have everything that was within us, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. We are washed to worship. We are redeemed to rejoice. We are delivered to dance. We are set free to sing. Worship is so, so important. You can lay everything else aside, but don't lay aside worship. Don't lay aside worship. I'm so glad that Brian shared with you about the kids. You know, we, I'm going to be a great dad. You know, I'm going to spend time. But don't lay aside worship. One of the things that really gets to me is that during this COVID period, the children are not able to be with us. They're not able to see mom and dad worshiping God. I mean, when we sometimes go into worship, the little kids are looking at dad and they're like, and they look at mom. Like, this, this, this is how it should be. It's not by what you say, but it's what, by what you, you do, what you are. And, and, and it's no good saying, I'm going to be a great dad and ignore that aspect of worship. I'm going to be a great dad and not show the children how to be, how to seek first the kingdom and the, uh, his righteousness. You see, what, what are you doing? Are you being a good dad by not choosing that for your child? And in that way, maybe they won't even get to heaven. Praise is a serious Serious subject. The Lord has commanded us to praise. It's a serious subject in the Bible. We need to be true followers of the Lord in that area as well. Love that story of David who was rebuked by his wife for the way he worshipped. He stripped himself. It's just in a loincloth. When the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem, David was just so happy that he danced. And the wife said, don't do that. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> and David responded and said, my sweetheart, I'm not doing this for you. I really don't care whether you like my dancing or not. I wasn't thinking about you. Now that I've got the Ark of the Covenant on my shoulders, I'm not thinking about you, but I'm thinking about the one who brought me from the pasture to the palace. I'm thinking about the one who gave a lion rug in my bedroom, who gave me a bear rug in my lounge, and who gave me a giant's head for my trophy case. That's the one I'm thinking of. So you be quiet, my dear. Wouldn't our husbands love to say that to our wives every now and again? And sometimes when we're praising the, God, praising the Lord, you know, we need to understand that there are people who have been delivered from worse things than we can possibly even imagine. Been in ministry for 40 years. People have been uh, delivered from terrible, terrible things, terrible bondages, and terrible things that they have uh, really been pulled down from. Drug addicts, jailbirds, 
ex-alcoholics. And when they begin to praise God, they're not thinking about you or anybody else. They're thinking about this one who has delivered them from being bound up and has set them free. That's the one that they're thinking of. The Bible is serious about praising the Lord. So, Lucifer, this anointed angel, in just a matter of moments, became the devil due to his rebellion, his self-exaltation, and his pride. We sometimes do that, this inward thing coming out, and this inward pride and his rebellion worked itself out. But he became the devil when he said, I'm no longer going to praise. How's that? I'm no longer going to praise the Lord. And that's exactly what pride does. I don't need to praise God. And so it begins to solicit and look towards itself. I want praise for myself. That's the terrible thing. And Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. And in so fast, he moved from angel to devil. He moved from an atmosphere of worship where he said, I'm no longer going to praise. We cannot exist without the presence of God. A fish cannot exist without water. A human being cannot exist without oxygen. And a Christian cannot exist without praising and worshiping God. Psalm 115 and verse 17 says, The dead praise not the Lord. Bump the person, if you are sitting next to somebody, bump the person and say, are you alive? Huh? The dead praise not the Lord. And when we cease to worship God, we start to solicit worship ourselves, and we start to draw attention to ourselves. The interesting thing is, and this is my first point, when Satan was cast out of heaven, he only could go down. You see, it's a very interesting thing. Down, down, down. That's where he went. When we refuse to worship, we always go down. We're not happy. We're not joyful. Down, down, down. We're always in a valley. We're always struggling, struggling with our emotions, struggling with our minds, struggling with every other thing. Down we go because we're too proud to worship. The other thing, the second point, is that the devil and all his demons were in chains, in bondage. And so when you're not worshipping, you start to go back to your old life. You start to go back to your old ways, your old sinful ways where you start to get bound up. And 
in bondage once again. But Jesus has set us free and he has set us free to worship him. If we don't praise God, we become something that we don't want to be. We watched the orientation video and Andrew was talking about just he was talking about eldership and the responsibilities of eldership. And one, one of the responsibilities of, of elders is that they should not be given too much wine. You know, I mean, that speaks for itself. You, d you don't want to have church leaders who are like, <laughs> you know. But, but I thought of that, you know. What, what happens? Elders shouldn't be given too much wine. What happens if you take that wine, that W-I-N-E, and you put an H in it? Elders should not be given to watch much whining, much complaining, much much moaning. It's not a good thing. I mean, it's just an awful, awful thing. Huh? We should be given to praise. And I love the fact that when people stand up and they give testimony to the greatness of God and to the wonderful things that He's done, it's just such... An edifying thing. We need to give praise to God all the time. In the midst of our congregation. Psalm 22 and verse 22. In the midst of the congregation, I praise thee. Psalm 107 and verse 32. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people. Psalm 111 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. I give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the congregation. I mean, if there's one thing, one spiritual discipline that needs to be right at the forefront of everything else, the chief end of man, says the Westminster Confession, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. All the other disciplines become second place in terms of worship behind worship we need to worship so that he can strengthen us that we can receive that strength from him we need to worship to be filled with faith for him and in him to enable us to live a victorious christian life you see people need to leave this place not saying gee that was a friendly congregation or wow that was a good sermon well, those testimonies, they were awesome. But they need to leave this place saying, wow, our God is an awesome God. So corporate worship is absolutely essential. And the third lesson, and this is a biggie. This is a big one. Lucifer stopped praising the Lord. And in stop praising the Lord, he encouraged somebody else to not worship. One third of the angels fell with him. This is a biggie because we influence people through our worship. We either encourage worship or, like Lucifer, when we don't worship, we encourage not to worship. Wow. Your influence is either being used by Satan or by God.
That's big. I don't feel like worshiping today. You're influencing somebody. Or, I'm giving it all, Lord. You're influencing somebody. You're influencing somebody. It is just a wonderful thing when you see somebody praising the Lord. We have eight babies under three years of age that are attached to this congregation. Two more are on the way. One mama is pregnant and another waiting for adoption. Ten. That's, that's more than 10%. We've got over 30 young people that are participating in the youth. When the babies, when the youth look at the parents, we cannot afford not to have full-on worship. They need to be able to witness this and say, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to follow that action. I'm going to follow that example. Listen. Don't ever come with the fact, I praise God in my heart. Eh? <laughs> I mean, I know that we love God with all our strength, mind, soul, heart, I know that it says that, but I see nowhere in the Bible that praise needs to be only in the heart. Well, my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise, sacrifice, yes, of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Out of our mouths, out of our mouths, you know, Every now and again, somebody uh, sends me a message. Sorry, Rich, I wasn't with you on Sunday, but I was with you in spirit. Listen, I'm not interested in you being here in spirit. I want to see your bodies. I mean, it's awfully spooky when people say, I was with you in spirit. Don't give me that nonsense, man. I want to see you in church. You know, if we're going to praise, it has to come from our mouths. It has to come from our lips. It has to be the launching pad. The launching pad of all devil, all the devil's weapons comes from the same way in which we launch God's weapons. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13 says, uh, this is John having this vision. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. We have to watch our mouths, whatever we're saying. We have to really, really guard our mouths because out of our mouths is a launching pad of weapons, either for God or for the devil. Let me start finishing off here. In Isaiah 30, verse 31, Isaiah is talking and he talks about how we're going to, how the Israelites are going to defeat the Assyrians. And he said, 
God will strike the enemy every time you play the tambourine and the harp. When we play musical instruments together with the words that we sing, we are striking the enemy in the form of a weapon of warfare like none other. It is an incredible weapon. And as the Israelites played their harps and their tambourines, God struck that enemy. When we sing just now, I want you to realize that God is fighting an incredible battle for you. In Isaiah 54, it says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. Is there any kind of barrenness in your life? I want you to meet that barrenness and that emptiness and that void in your life with joyful singing. I love the story, and I'm going to finish off with this. Jack Hayford tells, he was preaching about this verse. And it's interesting to see that the very next verse in Isaiah 54 is, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. He was preaching on this passage. And he was preaching about any kind of barrenness. And he stopped. And he just had a word of knowledge. And as the word of knowledge came, he says, I just have a sense that there might be a couple here who have been struggling uh, to have a baby. And uh, the, the Lord says right now that in your barrenness, you need to fill your home with singing. And he just went on. A year later, a year later, a couple came and said to him, we want to present our child for dedication. And they gave a testimony in church and they said, you remember that word of knowledge that you had at that service? And Jack Hayford said, yeah, I did. He said, we decided to go home and we began to fill our home with joyful singing. And now, a year later, we want to present our baby for dedication. But he was quick to add that singing wasn't the only thing that they did. A few years later, Jack Hayford was sitting in his office waiting for the service to start. And a little girl ran into the office. And she said, Pastor Jack, I've got a song. She sang a song that she herself had made. And she sang the song. She gave Pastor Jack a hug. She ran out of the office. That was the little girl. Whose mom and dad went into that house and sang because of, her, of, of their barrenness. Do you have barren points in your life? I want you to begin to sing over those areas in your life. We're going to worship now. I want us to really, really lift up the name of the Lord right now. Carl and Francois and Craig, I wonder if you could come.
we're going we're gonna to really, really praise. I want you to hoi milis, as they say <laughs> in good old South African, and really show our God that he is supreme in your life. We might even go into a spiritual warfare. Sometimes high praises of the Lord begin to take place. And in the high praises, the devil can't deal with that situation. And I've been in services where as we've praised, as we've worshipped, there have been such a manifestation of evil spirits that they can't abide to stay there and they start to scream out. But let's go into a time of high praise, of worship. Let's adore this great God that we love and, and serve.